Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Upfront Down Under. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Regula Sullivan. Job done for England. But is it? There is a slight permutation that means they might not make it through, but they're 99.9% guaranteed to make it through uh, to the knockout stages after their win against Denmark this evening. Thanks to an absolute worldie of a finish from Lauren James, the wonder kid. But it's not all good news for the Lionesses as Kira Walsh was unfortunately stretched off. We're both back from the stadium. It's been a very long night and we're here with all of the reaction. We all also look back over plenty of drama elsewhere as the co-host Australia looked bereft of ideas and the Netherlands took it to the USA and Ireland are out, which we are both, even me, extremely gutted about. Before we get stuck in, Rach, it's been a very long night. It's been a very, very long night. Um, I have a, I, I keep saying this, but I have a newfound respect for anyone who works in the media, broadcast journalism, because it is, it's long hours and it's stressful. And when things like Kira Walsh happen, it is all hands on deck. So, Rach, what wine are we drinking this evening? What we, what we on? Uh, I'm drinking a lovely Australian Chardonnay. What about you? Oh, nice. Uh, I've got myself a nice Riesling. Um, yeah, we're sort of, even though we're down under, we're actually keeping it classy this evening. Um, so, much. yeah, but we might as well just get stuck in because there's just so much to talk about every single day. Um, England, first off, 1-0 against Denmark. We picked up three points. We are now top of the table with six, but it was a less than convincing performance this evening. I mean, Again. let's give it credit. Let's stay positive for the start, okay? Let's do maybe a shit sandwich on this one, okay? So, first of all, the nice layer of positive bread. The first 35 minutes or so before Kira Walsh's in injury, it looked like the lionesses that we saw at the Euros. It looked promising. It looked bold. There were patterns. You know, let's talk about the changes first off, maybe, because when the lineup came out, everyone was like, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa, whoa, what? Serena, this is spicy. You've given us something to write She about. doesn't like to um, tinker, and my God, she's tinkered. <laughs> the consistency queen has become very inconsistent. Um, but yeah, Rach, what were your thoughts when that lineup came through? What was the things that stood out for you? Uh, well, I was glad Lauren James started. I had hoped she would start at the 10, but she had started and that paid off. Uh, Rachel Daly, the uh, golden boot winner of the WSL this season, uh, started in left back. So that was an interesting one. And Alex Greenwood then partnered with Millie Bright. So I'm trying to decide. I feel like the Rachel Daly one was the biggest surprise. Uh, mm -hmm. And the one I was most pleased about would have been Lauren James. I... Was a I thought that Rachel Daly at left back was very very rogue, but I mean I'm not Serena Wiegmann, and there's a reason. There's a, a reason. There's a reason. How much wine have you had, Chloe? <laughs> Too much. 
But I actually think it was tactical genius that she went into left back because I think she offered so much more than Carter could. I think Carter still had a good game against Haiti, but I think the attacking presence of Rachel Daly, she kept going further and further up the field. So much so that she was, you know, quite a large part of the attacks. I think she was delivering crosses. She was linking up so, so well with like Lauren James. I thought, you know, it, it, it almost seemed to inspire Lauren James because she was cutting in so much more. She looked so much more confident. And I think that's how the goal came. I think it was from the confidence of having Rachel Daly behind her and being able to push forward so much. So it, it was beautiful to watch. They looked like a, the squad that I, that I kind of expected to come into this competition supporting. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on that final, the first 35 minutes before Kira Walsh? I thought they were sharp. I thought they were finding each other really well. They were making really clever runs, like you say, kind of like the team we saw during the Euros and they were doing those quick passes. Um, I did feel for Jess Carter. Obviously, she played central defence against Haiti and had done a job uh, against Haiti. Had had kind of backed up Millie Bright when she had struggled a little bit. Um, but of course, then by bringing Alex Greenwood into that position, it left it open for Rachel Daly. And, I, and it made sense. I kind of... Who was I sat next to? I can't remember who I... I think I might have texted Sophie saying... I feel like Rachel Daly is going to score from the left back position as opposed to playing the Easily. number nine. Um, yeah, because she was getting up high and she was partnering, as you said, really well with Lauren James. Lauren James looked so comfortable on the ball. And I think when we think about the first match, I thought Alessia Russo and Ella Toon looked nervous that they were starting their first ever major tournament match. Lauren James didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they could not get the ball off her. It was like she had a magnet on her foot. I don't know if it's her low center of gravity or what <laughs> it is, but it's so difficult to get that ball off her. And she was dancing through the defense um, and the confidence to go for that shot. It was such a peach of a goal. And I think we probably all thought, okay, they've scored from open play now. Finally, floodgates are going to open. Here we go. And then that injury from Kira Walsh, the team genuinely looked shell-shocked because Kira was shell-shocked when she went down I think she knew straight away she said straight away I've done my knee she was pushing players away who immediately come over to her and I have a kind of lasting impression of her being carried off the pitch on the stretcher and Lucy Bronze just standing on the pitch looking at the stretcher going off like other players are getting back into position and she's just standing there watching Kira go off and I think it really seemed to knock... And that's not an excuse, right? Like, because I thought Denmark did come out in the second half and they exploited that. But it did seem to knock their rhythm and knock their confidence. Massively. I think, um, you know, the, the whole press pack, we were upstairs watching it. We sort of, you know, we, we saw... It looked so reminiscent of the Leah Williamson injury. It was an immediate call over to the bench. She went down, the players were around her, um, the stretcher came on. And it was just... Um, the whole press pack just completely collapsed. It was just, it was just so heartbreaking to see because I think... We don't know what the injury is, so I'm hoping that it's all just scaremongering at the moment and we're all just jumping because we know that ACLs and MCLs are continuously thrown around. So I'm, I'm hoping that by the by the smallest of chances that it's something a little bit less serious than than that. We all are. Um, but it, it, didn't, it didn't look good and it didn't look like the kind of injury that she was going to come back from this tournament, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, and I think, um, you know, understandably, obviously, after that, injury her being stretched off the squad performance fell flat and I can understand like in the back of your mind whilst you know despite you obviously wanting to put on the best performance you can possible there are, there are going to be some you know underlying concerns there about what you're going to find when you come back to the dressing room and how Kira's going to be and the impact that Kira was actually having in the game I think she was marked out of the Haiti game so well but Denmark were letting her have the ball which is just the most ridiculous thing that you didn't learn from what Haiti were doing um, so she was like a big a big part of sort of being being that pivot player back again, sort of being able to spray the ball out, but also being able to you know go more centrally as well with her because she she was an option there. So 
I mean, what what Laura Coombs obviously came in. I thought she had a fairly decentish game. Uh, she came in under difficult circumstances, and we spoke to her a little bit at the um, the mix zone afterwards. And she was saying, like, you know, obviously she's really happy to get the minutes, but you know, it, it's not the best circumstances to be getting those minutes. And um, you know, going forwards, do we think Laura Coombs now will be in that starting position? Because I was a little bit, um, I was surprised actually that it wasn't someone like Jordan Nobbs maybe filling that that role, or Georgia Stanway dropping also, deeper. Yep. Um, the problem is we don't have a Kira Walsh replacement. It's as simple as that. We don't. You know, Ella Toon, you might say, Lauren James. You know, one of the wingers, you could probably put Lauren James there too. Um, Alessia Russo, we've got Beth England, we've got Rachel Daly. We don't have, I mean, you can't replace Kira. She's one of those players that you can't replace, right? But it just doesn't feel like, it's a hard one. I don't know who you put in there. We've got plenty of midfielders, but that particular role that she plays and the way she plays it, is very hard to replace. And we saw that at Man City when she left. I think Gareth Taylor spent a few months trying to make players replace Kira Walsh and realising you just need to you need to work with what you have and use those players to the best of their abilities rather than trying to make them do something another player does. Um, and England don't have a lot of time to figure that out. Well, we can't get back to uh, Gareth Taylor bashing again. It's not even the WSL start of the season yet, but I'm sure we will do um, because Man City may or may not have the best start to the season again. Third time, third time's a charm, Gareth. Um, I mean, we now go into the China game. Um, we, I, I can't say that second half really filled me with a lot of confidence. I'm hoping the squad are going to see that as a blip and they will regroup this week and get behind each other again because I think bar Walsh being out, the squad were doing really well, finding their feet again. Um, are you concerned about the China game or do you think that we're gonna? it's going to be okay? I'm not overly concerned. I think the thing about this World Cup and with the extra teams is you have quite a bit of time between matches. And that first 30 minutes or so, the difference from the Haiti game to this game was enormous. So I can only hope that they're going to utilise that that time before the China game uh, to implement something and to, to probably get themselves over the Kira situation. Uh, you know, things like that can galvanise a team. They can, you know, come together and, and fight for a player and, you know, maybe that will be the case. It's hard. It's like, it, it reminds me a bit of watching Arsenal or watching them get every couple of weeks another big player was uh, was was out. And it's a little bit like that with your Leah Williamsons, your Beth Meads, your Fran Kirby's and and now potentially Kira Walsh for the, t- for the tournament. It's uh, how much can the team take and keep getting back up again? Right. We asked listeners on Twitter for your thoughts. Okay. You came back with some pretty tasty questions. Uh, so we've got one coming in from Lorenzo. He said, Beth England should start ahead of Alessia Russo against China. Also, we need to stop being the creators of our own downfall and inviting more pressure. We made it harder for ourselves than it should have been. That's a bold claim, Lorenzo. England over Russo. I thought she had a pretty good game. Again, sort of getting into the areas, making herself known. I don't think she was as aggressive as the uh, the Haiti game, but I don't think she necessarily needed to because Lauren James and Chloe Kelly were also stepping in and sort of, you know, being more direct with her. So what were your thoughts? Beth England, do you reckon, starting um, over Russo? It could be an interesting tactic because I think Beth England is probably the closest to an Ellen White as we've maybe had, right? She's dogged. She doesn't stop running. She harasses defenders. She is a poacher. You know, uh, if the ball bobbles out to her, her it, she has such good instincts in the box. Um, and that could be an interesting approach to a game to give to put her out there 
wear down the defenders, maybe get a goal, great. But if she doesn't, she almost does that Ellen White role, which I feel like sometimes people didn't fully get during the Euros. And I think the first game against Haiti showed the importance of, of Ellen White in terms of what she did for 60 plus minutes. And then you bring on your Lassie Russo and, and it's the impact that she can have in those that short time when defenders have been pulled here, there and everywhere. And I feel like Beth England could probably do a job like that. Um, and maybe Alessia can have that impact off the bench. But at the moment, I don't see Serena doing that. No, I think, well, she's back to, she's back to Alessia Russo twice now. So I feel like that is the kind of consistency that she's going to show throughout the entire tournament. Um, but also, I mean, Russo was so good as a super sub coming on. So maybe that is something that's in the Arsenal, at least for the China game, where that result is, well, it doesn't really, they're already kind of through. So it might not be as significant, maybe. We've got another tasty question from Adam. Uh, he said, if they shifted even half of the overplaying from the final third to the middle, it would be 6-0 and you'd not be getting frantic heart rate messages when the woodwork got rattled towards the end. So the uh, allegation there put to the Lionesses is that you overplay in the final third. And to be honest, Adam, I've got to bloody agree. I mean, when you look at what Lauren James did, she doesn't piss about. She's not passing. She's quite selfish but selfish in a good way because the chance that she had came from her own just giving it an absolute pun but I think we do have a tendency to kind of get into good areas but sort of almost kind of play back a little bit I mean what are your thoughts there do we overplay do you think I think it's probably an element of decision making and having quite young players leading the line and I think sometimes that's what's lacking is the right decision at the right time and that comes, I guess, with experience. And look, I know a lot of these players have played at the Euros, but they've not started at the Euros. And there could be an element of of that, maybe. I do think, yeah, we overplay a little bit. We overthink it a little bit. It could be the fact that we hadn't scored an open play for so long. Um, but part of me thinks maybe it's the decision-making. Or, you know, when you haven't scored in so long, are you going to trust that the person you pass it to is going to score? You know, am I going to trust a punt because I might not score and then it's just another miss? You know, so there's probably a lot of factors going on in that. But I also think it's a case of getting backing a couple of goals and just shaking that off. Do you know what I mean? And I think if they do that, if they do that against China, it might waken them up a bit. I don't know. What do you think? I, I've i got to agree. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I think Lauren James is kind of like one of the examples of what happens when you just back yourself and you just take a hit like because you don't know what's going to happen we've seen so many goalkeeper fluffs we've seen deflections taking place you've seen loads of things like that happen so like I think and the more you kind of do things like that the more you're applying pressure and I think that sort of gets into team's head that they're coming after barrage after barrage of attack but if you're going up front you're getting into good areas and then you're coming back again I just feel it, it looks a bit impotent to me and I think you know we didn't we didn't there's a reason that we only we're scraping by these games one nil because we're not converting chances so Adam got to agree with you there and then to finish on another positive bit of bread we can now oh, say yeah. that we've completely destroyed our 336 minutes of like not scoring a goal in a tournament so oh. the drought is over the drought's That's over nice. guys. I was I was wondering what the second positive layer was going to be um and I'm glad you found something well done and also Beth England getting onto the pitch Woo. and Laura Coombs yes. getting onto the pitch both very well deserved, both filled in very well. So, yeah, positives there, positives. Uh, just a quick reminder that we're on Twitter and Instagram. We are at upfront underscore pod. 
Right, Rach, another big, juicy, tasty fixture. I personally think it's one of the fixtures, one of the games of the tournament. You might think otherwise. Australia-Nigeria was also a very big one. Uh, we expected this to be the game of the group stages and boy, did it deliver. The atmosphere certainly reflected it. Dutch fans everywhere in the build-up. Great noise around the ground. What I, I mean, I was watching it with one of our um, reporters who's also from America and she was sort of giving me a bit of a rundown of what the... Um, what some of the chants were and it was for they're very cheesy they're very kind of like usa do they have USA. more than one? Oh my god there's, there's usa usa then there's i believe that we will win which is the oh worst that's the worst the one that's the it's worst awful. one she was what embarrassed by that yeah there was a couple more that she was talking to me through and i just i, I couldn't i couldn't do it is but, it just not variations of saying usa or america yeah it's just it just feels very primary school it's kind of like we can do it we believe like that kind of vibe but i'm just like oh god to be it's fair too, it's too much you know we need some of that at the England fans. We can no. do that. Even if they are cheesy, we could just have some chance that everyone knows the words of and sings That's along not an England to. vibe. It's not an England vibe at all. Anyway, it was a draw. It was 1-1. One, one. Uh, I mean, Jill Rod strike in the 16th minute. Raw de Roo. I mean, God, they were not expecting that, were they? And it was the first time that I think I've ever seen the USA look shell-shocked. And God, did I love it. Did I love it? It was just, it was a moment of magic. And it was, um, you know, the US, I think, were completely caught off guard. Rod got it just on the edge of the box, struck. It went through four or five players, obviously went through Naya. She didn't sit, she had no chance. She, she couldn't have seen it. It was just, there were bodies everywhere. Um, It was just, it was just magic. And then from that point, it just felt like, the USA couldn't really problem solve. The Netherlands found a lot more confidence. They looked like a team who weren't playing the US. They could have been playing another very low-ranked team in their 20s or 30s in, in FIFA rankings. Um, Rose Lavelle came on, made a big difference when she came on at half-time. But, I mean, what were your thoughts? Because the USA looked worryingly a bit shit. Well, first of all, first we half. need to talk about round, no, round two of the World Cup. Round one was a little bit tame, right? The first games mm. in, in the groups were a little bit tame. Not like, mm. not too many super exciting games, you know, everyone was kind of finding their feet. Mm-hmm. Fucking round two is bonkers. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like you, We're not even touching some of the games that were brilliant. This morning, Argentina, South Africa was mm-hmm. amazing. Like, some of these games have been so exciting. We're going to get on to Australia and Nigeria. This game as well. Again, obviously, I was watching this in the back of a car, in a, of a cab, on the way to the airport, partially in the airport, um, because that is where I actually watch most of my World Cup games, despite actually being here. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say the USA looked shit. I'd say they looked like a team... We're used to seeing the USA so confident, so used to each other, knowing how they play, knowing how to kind of capitalize on opposition's weaknesses. And I guess, uh, I think it was uh, it was Jeff Kasouf who writes for The Guardian. He talked about how they used to suffocate their opponents, you know, press them really high, not give them time in the ball. Uh, and they had a clear identity. And I think that's kind of what's lacking at the moment. And I guess that's kind of understandable when you think about the amount of youth on their team, the fact that there's 14 players making their World Cup debut. Yeah. Um, and it just feels like they haven't quite got the feel of each other yet. They've got You're a new manager as well. Very pragmatic, well, Rach. Look, I mean, the other thing is, I think we need to not... We often look at teams in isolation, particularly the US, and, like, you can't just say, like, oh, this team's just gotten shit. Uh, because you can't do that without looking at everyone else around them. So while the US maybe has plateaued a little bit because they're going through this transition, everyone else is rising. So it just, it's bringing the game closer together, and it's kind of... 
the US know they don't have the same kind of prowess maybe as they used to have at World Cups and teams like the Netherlands you know they smell blood Um, I thought the game was a little bit scrappy in the beginning you always get a bit frustrated like players weren't finding each other they were passing the ball to each other it was like oh my god just get control of it and the goal just suddenly lit up the game and for a 1-1 draw it felt like there so much more had happened in it like there was fisticuffs between DVD and and um, Lindsay Horan as well who I should call Horan because I'm Irish but because of the Americans I'll call her Horan and um, that Horan. was great yeah ended up making DVD look like some fucking swimmer 50 meter breaststroker you know with the bloody savage swimming. for me <laughs> the, 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 it's the a serious head injury on. Rachel it was it's a serious oh head my injury. god I put it up on Insta- on Twitter. It reminds me of, you know, she's the man where they stick the tampon up your nose. <laughs> it just reminds me of that. Uh, who you brought know a swimming cap? That that's who brought be it to the training? Now. Well done. Oh, it's on my, you know that's it's on be my Twitter. Look good. at it. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really good battle. I felt like, you know, with it being the previous tournament's final, it was always going to be tasty. And it delivered. Yeah, it was one of those box office type matches. Can we just go back to that Haran and DVD? Because I just think like it was just such good banter because like DVD had just taken out Haran in the most horrendous stuff. And <laughs> bearing in mind they're teammates, there was like it was like a no fucks given type thing. Like this is a World Cup, like whatever happened in the league doesn't stays in the league type vibe. And then like they go into the box, it's beautiful delivery. Haran converts. Haran? Haran converts. Horan. Horan. Call her Horan. <laughs> And just the look on DVD's face is just like, oh, for fuck's sake, I shouldn't have I I made her angry. done that. I shouldn't oh. have fucking done that. And then there was that beautiful tweet after the game, and I was like, oh, God, it's so boring. And our friends, I just wanted, like, some Twitter beef or something like that. But they just, were in the mix zone, wasn't. like, having hugs yeah. and taking photos and, like, making fun of her silly hat. And you were like, guys, you were literally, like, pinning each other to the ground, like, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> All right, let's make it spicier than this. Um... But yeah, I think obviously, I think from then, obviously the, U- the US did pick up an absolute shed ton of confidence. And we went back to sort of seeing the same old kind of like very confident, charismatic US that we all know and feel a little bit aggrieved about. Um, but yeah, I did think, I mean, there was a loss of spark in the first half. The second half, I think, yeah, we they, they seem to found it again. So I don't think there's any real concern. They're not going to make it out of group stages. But if they had lost that game, we could have literally been looking at a US not making it out of the group stages. Has that ever happened? I don't think it has. But there was some concern. There was a really good little fact that came in. And it was that Jill Rood, what was it? That every game that Jill Rood has scored first in, they've always, they've never lost and it still stands. It does still stand. Very, but Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. Gareth Taylor will be writing that down, won't he? That's why he brought her in. absolute gems. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was the first time the USA had trialled at a World Cup since 2011 in the quarterfinal wow. loss to Brazil. So I think it's a little bit understandable that they were a little bit flummoxed by being in that position. It wasn't something they're used to. They did have a lot of new players come in, a lot of youth as well. So... Yeah, let's add some context. Um, For me, so far, I'd say strongest contenders are still Spain, Germany and Brazil. I'm taking the US out of my top four at the moment for um, uh, the the winners. What are you saying? I think the US are still up there, but I agree with the other three. All right, good. We're on the same page. Apparently, drinking wine makes us friends. Cheers. Slauncha. Cheers. So what? Are you drunk? Slauncha. That's Irish means what? health right health uh, um, i teach you another one sonus that's easier sonus 
Are you no? You're taking the piss now. It could be anything. And then I want to do that in like a bar. They're going to be like, our Irish followers will tweet and they'll tell us that Slauncha and Sonnis are two ways of saying cheers in Ireland, and they're very nice phrases. But fine, you you take the piss. All right, listeners. Well, we'll probably carry on drinking for the majority of our pods. So if you could please submit um, your translations of various things around different countries that mean cheers, that'd be great. And Proust. we'll do a cheers to every cut. Co- I feel like we've got about 32 pods left anyway. So um, we'll try and get around every single cheers from it's every a single world recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. Must have alcohol at every record. <laughs> we will absolutely be alcoholics by the end of this crazy um these two are top of the group on four points that's the usa and netherlands uh, and one of portugal or vietnam would have to win to give portugal any chance of progressing since vietnam are already out right another big game it just feels a like big game after big game after big game i'm just like, round two I'm, I'm telling you it, it's been carnage it's been like round one but on acid it's crazy Nigeria picking up the points against Australia. 3-2. What on earth? What a game. I mean, geez. At one point, Nigeria were up 3-1 and everyone was like, whoa, Australia, where are you? Um, If Australia do get knocked out, they'd be the first tournament host to go out in the group stages since its inception in 1991. Let me just... Wow. Okay. That's huge. That's not something that you want to be doing. That's not something you want to be doing in Australia. So everything now hinges on their last game against Canada. And Ireland getting a result against Nigeria. So suddenly all of Australia are Ireland fans. One hundred percent. And that is a that's a that's a sentence I don't think anyone would ever have ever have said at the start of this tournament. Um yeah, I mean, not great that your entire World Cup hopes now hinge on playing uh, Olympic champions. It wasn't the best performance from them. Do we think that it, it is Sam Kerr that is the missing ingredient in this squad? I think they've struggled to adapt to playing without her. So I found that mm-hmm. in the in the Ireland game, that they were still sending in balls like from a crop <laughs> because expect... you've got a cold it's just the way you say balls now it's like <laughs> it's balls. Balls. Um, it's balls they were whipping in courses <laughs> um, that, that they would normally have Sam Kerr getting on the end of you look at all the corners they had you know that would be Sam Kerr leaping like a salmon getting on getting ahead on them and it just feels like they haven't adapted so well we also have to factor in that they're missing Mary Fowler as well another key mm-hmm. outlet um, through concussion um, which, you know, isn't ideal either. They're two big names to be missing in a game against the likes of Nigeria. Um, but that's no, like, it can't take away from Nigeria's performance. I know Australia had something like 28 chances, but only, what, eight on target? And I think Nigeria had 11, but seven on target. So Nigeria's looking mm-hmm. at nearly 50, more than 50% on target. Australia are getting less than a third, um, which isn't great. Um, and when you look at their their front players, you've got Caitlin Ford in there. Like Caitlin Ford is used to playing on the wing, for example. So mm-hmm. it's a difficult one. Like they have good players, but also part of me thinks maybe they're underperforming slightly for the players they have. But you do have to factor in that they are missing those key players as well. So it's it's not ideal for your hosts to be to be missing those players. 
But also, I think, you know, Van Egmond, on for Mary Fowler, given the opportunity because Mary Fowler is still out with a concussion. I think she got that on Tuesday, so it'll be interesting to see whether she's able to start in the last fixture. Um, dramatic five minutes of the last half, going into the... Score, scoring the equaliser, going into that half-time 1-1, it looked like Australia were on the front foot. It looked like we were going to see the Australia that we kind of expected to come into this game confident, going to smash it. Nigeria, we're going to struggle in the second half. But that is not what we saw. It was goal-fest carnage. I mean, Nigeria, so impressive this entire tournament. So impressive against Canada. Now against Australia. I mean... Do we think now that Nigeria are going to make it out of this group? Because well, that, that is happening. It looks like it's happening. I mean, it'd be great. But equally, I would love if, if Nigeria and Ireland could just come together and say, do you know what? Let's have a draw. <laughs> Nigeria will go through and Ireland will get a point. First World Cup point. Brilliant stuff. Nice. Let, nice. Let's do that. Uh, but I've spoken to a few Australians today and all of them are like, you have to win. You have to win. As if like I'm playing. Do you know what I mean? I'm Just like, to right, confirm, like, on Upfront, we are advocating for match fixing is essentially what Rachel is saying. We're not advocating. Okay. I just said, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice? Uh, because, right. you know, mm-hmm. I would love Ireland to get a point. But equally, how cool would it be for Nigeria to get out the group? Of this group, of all groups, like, be insane. I'm pretty sure that if they got out of the group stage, if they got out of group stages in second place, I'm pretty sure England would then play Nigeria in the round of 16. Jesus. I think that is the permutation. Don't quote me on it. I'm probably going to get a couple of I think that's correct because if Ireland had come second, we would have played England in the round of 16. Sophie and I had already been drawing up divorce papers. So I know that that is true. Gosh. Well. Well. I just hope you both see it through to this. You know, this. We'll it, I know. I know. I can. I can only. I can only appreciate and understand the pressures and demands of being in a relationship throughout this entire tournament because I'm here alone and it is. I, my relationship now is with wine, Riesling in particular. <laughs> so it's um, it's hard out here. Okay, guys. It's, what does it's that, hard. What does that mean for me if I've got wine and a wife? <laughs> well, if you want to cheat on Sophie like that, you can. But you know. <laughs> Soph's not going to struggle. She's a wonderful lady. So, yeah. All the best, Soph. Take care. Amen to The that. better half. <laughs> True. Right. Your favourite topic, Ireland. But not your favourite outcome. Ireland did not walk away with the points against Canada. But we thought that they were going to... I mean, Kate McCabe, the corner, talk to me. What were you feeling in that moment? Because I messaged straight away on the group. I was like, Rach... Amazing. This is unreal. Congratulations, because this looks like a team that's that's done it. I just, so, yeah, I just felt so happy. So when the goal went in, my heart was like absolutely racing because I didn't really know what to do. But equally, I was like, I need to get the shot. I need to get the shot. I need to get the shot. She's the other side of the pitch. For fuck's sake, why is she the other side of the pitch? This is just typical. Um, and of course, like I did get a decent enough shot, but like I think anyone would have struggled because we generally sit either end of the goal, like the goal ends. And she, of course, went pretty much to the halfway line and arms into the crowd, you know. So it would have been quite hard to get, like, a really clean shot of that. Um, so it was this weird, like, balance of, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But also, like, I need to make sure I'm taking the photos. And I glanced over at my Andy, who's another Irish photographer, and he was the same. We were both a bit like, we want to talk about it, but equally, like, we have to get the photos. We have to get the photos. And everyone's celebrating. So then my phone started popping off. Um yeah, it was it was pretty special. Like to actually get to witness their first ever goal, uh, was pretty cool. And like even 
the anthem this time round, despite the girls uh, managing to just go off time uh, with the anthem and race ahead of everybody else in the stadium and the music, and it ended up sounding more like a duet uh, than an anthem. But the the sound, because the stadium was primarily Irish, that there was 17,000 in this 20,000 seater, in this horrendous weather, and I'd say like 15,000 of them at least were Irish, it made the anthem like just resonate around you it was it was amazing and you could see the girls at the end as they all got to the final line like they were looking at each other and they were smiling and they were really like oh my god this is like this is insane um and it really g'd them up for the first half and they were that's probably some of the best football I've ever seen Ireland play in the first half they they came out they went for it you know they should have got a second goal um Caruso was brilliant you know she had like Buchanan I know she got a ball to the face at one point but like she was substituted at halftime she just didn't she couldn't handle um Kyra Caruso um obviously Katie McKay was a woman on a mission yeah yeah yeah. uh Lucy Quinn bring it like providing loads of good balls in um it was very much not sitting Quins. yeah let me tell you there were three Quins on that pitch um (laughs) but it was some some of the best football I'd seen should have got the second goal they had two or three chances after the first goal and if they'd gotten that second goal, I really believe they would have gone in at halftime, 2-0 up. Um, and it was Tony Gustafsson, uh, the Matildas coach, actually, who actually said that Ireland tend to taper off at the end of halves and they don't start halves very well. And that is mm. exactly what happened. Canada scored at the end of the first half, came out flying in the second and got the early second goal. Um, first goal, of course, being a really unlucky um, own goal. Uh, and uh, you know they identified that and then the big big change was Canada brought on 600 caps worth of players and Ireland were bringing on you know some kids in their 18 year olds who who played brilliantly but Mm -hmm. experience is what was the difference in that game and I was weirdly like while I was sad because I was like oh we actually should have got something out of this game I was quite proud to feel disappointed because mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd come, we'd come to this World Cup and feel disappointed that we didn't get anything out of Australia and Canada. So it's a weird one. I was like weirdly kind of okay with it. I think um, the results for Ireland, I think this this tournament, do not reflect the performances that they've had. I mean, on paper, to get the two losses out of two feels really harsh, considering how incredible those performances were. I mean... Easily, this game could have turned on its head. I mean, if it wasn't for that unfortunate Megan Connolly, you know, turning the ball into the back of her own net, like it, it, this would have been like you're completely right. This would have been a completely different game. And I think at the start of the game, they were sort of sitting top at the table. I think, and by the end of that game, they were bottom and out. And it was heartbreaking because they didn't deserve it. They absolutely didn't deserve it because Canada just weren't good enough that game, and Ireland were more passionate, they wanted it more, they were more determined, they had the better chances, um, but it just wasn't meant to be. I felt like it was the one of the unluckiest Irish runouts um that we've that we've seen. Yeah. I also think it's worth saying I've seen some people saying that Katie carried the team and obviously she is our, our best player. But like I don't think it's fair to say that she carried the team during that match I thought there were so many good even in the Australia match there were so many good performances the defence in the Australia match were immense um, I, I spoke Caruso Lucy Quinn um, Abby Larkin when she came on you know uh, um, Amber Barrett when she came on like I don't think it's fair to say that like she entirely carried the team I thought the whole team against Canada in that first half were brilliant mm-hmm. um, and of yeah. course Katie McCabe you know 100% unbelievable 
and she got player of the match god love her she was gutted at the end she gave absolutely everything um but equally i do think the rest of the team deserved that shout out too 100%. It wasn't a one-person effort by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, you've got to say, like, Kate McCabe was absolutely freaking standout. Just unreal. Just absolutely unreal. Um, whatever she's being paid um, at Arsenal, they need to triple it, quadruple it. Because, yeah, the value of that player has gone up substantially for the start of the tournament. Despite getting two losses, the, the value of Kate McCabe's individual uh, worth has uh, it's, yeah, it's trebled. Um, right, tomorrow we have Sweden, Italy, France, Brazil, Panama, Jamaica. I mean, Rach, I'm assuming you're going to be in some kind of airport, stuck in some kind of room watching some of these games. Which one are you most excited to be at or to see? I will be at France, Brazil, which we spoke nice. about earlier in the tournament about how that game and Brazil, Jamaica are going to be so good because that group is is wide open with Jamaica Tasty. drawing with France. So I'm really looking forward to France-Brazil. That's going to be really good. I'm there tomorrow. I've got a flight to Brisbane in the morning. Um, sick of planes already. Got countries so goddamn big. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that one. Which one are you looking forward to most? I've got to agree with you. France-Brazil, I think it's just going to be such a tasty little matchup. Um, yeah, France not really firing on all cylinders. And I feel like Brazil are just... like I think they are one of my favourite teams actually to watch this tournament. They're just so frigging spicy. They just seem to be bringing that kind of like different flavour of style of play like Spain I think there's just there's an excitement around these sort of like South American like I just I just like it I just like the vibe and like it's Marta's last tournament okay like you can't get anything more iconic than this woman like even I mean I think Rach you shared this amazing photo of like how incredulously starstruck the fourth official was when Marta came on like she wasn't even concentrating on her job like she was just like looking at Marta with awe as if she was made out of gold and that's I think that's how I feel when Brazil play. So yeah, 100% I back. That being probably the tastiest fixture tomorrow. Right. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We're back on Monday after Ireland and Australia's final games in their group. Good luck, Australia. I hope you make it out because 1991, like no host being kicked out of their own tournament. And the that tournament is, needs it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's not, that's not great, is it? And also like, you know, Combank must be absolutely shitting themselves. Remember to subscribe in a lot your... of airtime, haven't you? Fucking hell, are they uh, paying you? Upfront is sponsored by Combank this episode. <laughs> Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube and we are at Upfront pod. All one word. See you very soon. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.